Hello and welcome to Green Destinations, Immigrants in Vancouver and Sustainability Politics. I'm Logan. And I'm Jesse, and we're very excited to record our first episode. So before we get started, for those of you who don't know us, we will introduce ourselves. So my name is Jesse. I am a freshman in the college looking to study education policy. I have yet to visit Georgetown or DC. I've taken the entire semester online and I can't wait to see campus in the fall. I'm Logan. I'm a freshman at SFS, probably going to study international politics with a minor in philosophy. I grew up in Beijing, China, and I moved to Canada for high school and that's where I've been. I guess we plan to go to Georgetown until COVID. We've been here taking online classes for the entire year. So how did we get here, Logan? How did we, um, as two people who don't really have a permanent place to stay, well, you are different now, um, how did we both end up in Richmond? Well, we were both in high school. We were kind of just chilling. In our senior year, we had both almost gotten to college. It was spring break. I want to spend spring break here because while you were here, I rented a place for a total of two and a half weeks, planning to get back to school as soon as spring break ended. And, well, spring break never ended. School never went back to being in person, stayed online for the remainder of the semester. So I stayed here. And it has been almost 14 months since then, and I am still here. My story is a little different. I've always been somewhat familiar with Richmond. Um, I come here every summer. When I was back in Hong Kong, um, I came here every summer because half of my family lives here. Um, so I'm quite familiar with the place, but I've never stayed here for longer than uh, two months, which is how long summer was. Um, so to now stay here with my grandparents for just over a year now, it's really changed my perspective on uh, what Richmond is like and the lifestyle here too. Um, don't want to just talk about the vibe that Richmond like has. I think it's a very interesting vibe. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think we've both been in a lot of diverse places, but Richmond is one of those cities that's it's kind of in the middle of where a lot of white Canadians live, a lot of very traditional households, but in the middle, there's a city that if you're from anywhere else, you definitely wouldn't be able to tell that it's not in Asia. And many parts of it looks completely the same as where I grew up in Beijing or where Jesse grew up in Hong Kong. In the streets, you see signs that are often only Chinese, not even English. And there are a lot of people who only speak well, either Mandarin or Cantonese. Yeah. So there are some communications troubles. But from this, I think we both found that many good things emerge from these differences. For example, people get really good at communicating through hand gestures mm -hmm. and facial expressions because words often simply doesn't really work. Even through this, there are some really great bridges between the communities and Jesse and I have definitely, in our year here, even with the COVID restrictions, been in parts of Richmond that belong to many different communities and are entirely made of very different national and ethnic origins. Yeah, and I think one thing, if I was to think of one thing that really made Richmond like stick out like a sore thumb in the 
Canadian community is how Asian it is. I think the fact that my grandparents have lived here for over 30 years and still don't want to speak a word of English is just a testament of how different it is in terms of the culture and the people that are here. I think Logan and I, we always spoke English on the island when we were at school, but now here uh, we've always spoke uh, three languages interchangeably uh, throughout the day. We have this thing in that we do in the grocery store when we go to uh, check out and the cashier kind of starts off with one language. So for example, like Cantonese. And so I would start talking to her, but then um, in the span of two minutes, we would speak Cantonese, Mandarin and English, all three languages um, at one point. And that's kind of just become our thing where we just confuse the cashier. Um, and I think that's pretty funny. Yeah, I guess now we can talk about our project. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, our project is about overall the absence of immigrants, specifically Chinese or East Asian immigrants in Vancouver from sustainability politics. So in Canada, there is a system of green parties. There's a federal green party and there are provincial green parties. The Federal Green Party of Canada has three seats in the parliament, which is more than the vast majority of other democracies can say today. And that goes the same for our province, British Columbia. We're in Vancouver, or more specifically, Richmond, which has a, I'd say over 80 or even 90 percent population percentage of immigrants. That's first generation, second generation, third generation immigrants from East Asia. And our curiosity really started when we looked at the data and realized that one, worldwide in a lot of democracies, immigrants tend to vote for more progressive sides of elections. That's a trend that's been happening for a long time and it's very consistent over regions. But in Richmond, which arguably has one of the highest concentrations of immigrants in large cities in North America, the Green Party was very unsuccessful in the past few elections. So that's kind of the statistical anomaly we're looking at. And given my interest in politics, I'm kind of looking at the systemic roots behind this. And Jesse is more interested in the education side. Yeah, so we also decided to look at how the province and the city's education system fits into how second or third generation immigrants who are in the education system now uh, have different opinions than older generations of immigrants that might have come here for other reasons, more specifically economical reasons. Um, And so that's how we landed on our project. Yeah, so more specifically on the project, we're doing this for placemaking, if you don't already know. And We're trying to connect more to the community, which we'll talk about later on. But the way that we looked at our project is we're trying to understand this statistical anomaly by interviewing key stakeholders or people who represent stakeholder demographics. And from there on, we want to talk a little bit about our intuition hypothesis. Jesse, 
what was our first idea of why it was that immigrants, East Asian immigrants specifically in Richmond, aren't exactly voting for the Green Party? Yeah, well, you've pointed out before, there is a general trend in politics that immigrants tend to be more progressive in their voting. Um, However, for us and in Richmond, that's not the case. Um, And so our hypothesis was that the reason behind this was that immigrants prioritized economics over everything else. They prioritized economic prosperity and something like the Green Party seemed, which seemed like a single issue platform and somewhat elitist, didn't seem to put the interests of immigrants first. Yeah. And so because they prioritize business and there's a cultural, I guess, like there's cultural values in East Asia that they they don't really prioritize um, the environment and sustainability. And that's kind of reflected in politics as well and their voting patterns. Yeah, exactly. So we do want to introduce our roster of interviewees and our brief descriptions for why it is that we chose them. So our first guest for episode two, we're going to talk about immigrant priorities. And that will be with Jesse's uncle, Uncle David. Yeah, my uncle David moved here when he was 16 and he's recently retired, but he's very involved in um, he's very involved in politics and has a lot of opinions about um, issues today and what the political landscape looks like. And he's very passionate about all of that. And our second guest is Miss Tiffany Weber. She was our high school science teacher. More specifically, she teaches AP Environmental Science, which is a class that's growing in popularity based on its connections and ties to the climate crisis right now. And more students are looking to get into that. Um, They're more interested in learning about it. And so we wanted to see what her values were and how she um, connects environmental science with the global issues and politics surrounding climate change. And our next guest for episode four will be Mr. Lily, Jesse and my high school economics teacher. He taught us both AP microeconomics and macroeconomics. In fact, Jesse and I were in the same class. This was two years ago. Was it two years ago? Yes, I think so. Seems like such a long time ago. And we'll be talking about the role of sustainability in economics education. In the vast majority of curriculums, there isn't really a conversation in economics going on about sustainability. In my current classes at Georgetown, at least in microeconomics, there isn't a conversation about climate change at all. Sometimes it's brought up on the side, but there's no dedicated curricular space for it. This was not the case back when we took economics in high school. Mr. Lilly, he is very involved in sustainability politics himself which we will explore further in the episode. But he also dedicated the final project of the class to a holistic view of economics and education so that economics isn't only about monetary exchanges and flow of goods, but also about long-term goals and essentially the larger concepts of sustainability. So we really want to talk to him about why it is that he thinks it's necessary for economics to consider not only the market, 
but also the constraining factors of the environment. And our last guest for episode five is Kate O'Connor. Kate was a friend of Jesse and mine back in high school. And when COVID hit Canada, Jesse and I moved to Richmond. We've been here ever since. And Kate stayed in Victoria where we went to high school. And she ran with the British Columbia, the Provincial Green Party, as a candidate for the provincial legislature. She ended up in second place in our district, down by, I think, a few thousand votes. But her efforts have been very well documented in the media and is a cause that a lot of our friends got behind. She was only 17 years old when she ran in the election, which would have made her the youngest MLA member of legislative assembly yeah. um, in the legislature currently. She continues to be involved in a lot of Green Party politics and currently works for one of the MLAs in British Columbia. We really want to talk about the power of grassroots politics in terms of changing what sustainability politics looks like so that it's more accessible to audiences of people that we're looking at, specifically immigrants. So those are our guests, and we will conclude with an episode of Jesse and I talking about what we've learned, whether we've accomplished our goals, and how we feel, how we think, and how we are going to look at the environment after our journey through these guests. Logan and I are now going to talk about some broad guiding questions that we've kept at the forefront of our minds while pursuing this project. And we're also going to talk briefly about our goals um, of this entire project as well. So we had three main guiding questions, and one of them was what factors and considerations shape immigrants' political priorities? So through our interview with my uncle David, we hope to look at, we hope to gain firsthand insight of what immigrants prioritize in terms of um, politics and how their voting patterns also influence that as well. For our second question, we really want to understand, should or is there a trend forward for sustainability to play a greater role in education? This is a question that we are going to bring up a lot with conversations with our former high school teachers. We want to understand what the role of something not as concrete as, let's say, economics or math should play in education. More specifically, we want to understand how sustainability could be best implemented in curriculums without it seeming like it's too coerced. because. There are quite some students who are, we would say, unfortunately, not as open to sustainability topics as we are. And there has to be tips that teachers who have done this before could give us. I really want to understand those. And our last guiding question is, how significant of a role do youth currently play in sustainability politics? Can or will this change? We really want to see whether this current wave of young people being involved in sustainability politics at where we are could be replicated in other regions. There's no doubt that what's happened in Canada and British Columbia in terms of the Green Party recently rising to a little bit of power has not been replicated in places such as what Washington DC or go to school. So we really want to see what the factors that led to the success of the Green Party here are and how that could influence more change. 
In terms of our overarching goals of this project, um, well, one of them is obvious in the placemaking curriculum, which is to engage with our community in new ways. Um, since both of us went to school on Vancouver Island, we never really got the chance to engage in um, the community, the community of Richmond, and um, this class and project has given us the opportunity to do so. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, we also want to try and go beyond the depth of public or popular media discourse. In other words, looking at the absence of immigrants and sustainability politics, not only through articles and news reports and readings, but also through conversations with people we know through connections try and delve deeper into this issue and hopefully gain some more insight in that way. We're very excited for this podcast and you should be as well. We will record a total of six episodes, this being the first one. So we really look forward to you listening to our podcast and please contact us. You should have our contacts. If you have any questions or if there are anything that you would like to see or hear from us. Thank you very much. Bye.